Ephesians 6 is our passage this morning. Ephesians 6, verse 13 through 15. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The word of the Lord. Well, I'm sure if you are anything like me, you could just wake up tomorrow and realize that this world is in trouble. It's constantly changing. You probably also realize that we are at war with an evil empire. Because if you just wake up in the morning and you turn on the news, you'll hear a story and you'll realize, what is going on right now? This isn't what I thought should be or should happen. What we're dealing with right now in our world and even in our nation is not foreign to God. He's sovereign. He knows what we're going through. And at the same time, it's not by accident. Satan is at work. And his spiritual mafia are out to destroy God's church. They're out to create harm and division amongst each one of us. And amongst this congregation even. We are at war. And this week I was reading a book by a guy by the name of Harry Reeder, who's the pastor at Briarwood in Birmingham, Alabama. He said there are schemes of the devil that we need to be aware of. And Paul mentioned this in chapter 6, verse 11, when he said, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The word schemes is methodii in Greek, which means methods. Satan has methods to destroy his church. And Dr. Reeder, he said there are really three methods that Satan uses to attack God's people. The first method is intimidation. The second is infiltration. And the third is imitation. Satan uses first the tactics of intimidation to take God's people down. And if you just look at the events of what's taken place the last year and a half, you will see intimidation happen. We know about some churches out west, for example, or even some churches in different states up north who were threatened by the government that if they didn't stay shut down, they would be arrested or fined. This morning I read about a Canadian pastor who decided to worship and the government arrested him. That's just one example of many, but the tactics of Satan... Or that he will do anything and everything to destroy the church. And he will use intimidating tactics to harm it. He will bring persecution amongst God's people. Some of you have experienced persecution at school. You may have stood up when critical race theory was being taught. And they told you, you can't do that. Some of you have filed for a religious exemption because you don't want to take a vaccine. You're uncomfortable with it. And your job is on the line. 
we're seeing these things take place and it's causing a lot of unrest. It's making many of us anxious and uncomfortable. This is all by design because Satan uses these tactics to harm God's people through intimidation. He also uses the, the, the tactic of infiltration. What I mean by that is he will go straight to the church leadership and to the members of the church and he will try to create division and schisms amongst the church. As I look at the church in America today, I see a lot of division happening and it's tragic. I'm starting to see some of it even take place in our own church. By God's grace, he's kept us unified overall uh, through this past year and a half. And at the same time, I know of rumblings of disagreements regarding COVID-19. On one end of the spectrum, you have an element of fear. One end of the, or one side of the coin, people are saying, I'm afraid of this virus. I'm afraid that I will catch it, I will die, or I, I'm afraid I will spread it. I don't want to cause harm to someone else. People on that side of the spectrum will say it's important to wear a mask, or at least to keep distance, and even to take the vaccine. That side has legitimate points of view. On the other side of the spectrum, you have another group of people who is afraid, and they're afraid of taking the vaccine because to them it hasn't been proven they want more time or they have other reasons and at the end of the day they're afraid of government overreach and they don't want government to tread on them so they're saying government can't overstep its boundaries and there's an element of fear from that side of things that point of view has some legitimacy to it as well the issue I see here is both sides, from what we know, and there's a lot of information out there, have their points of view. But what's taking place is, as we talk about this issue, there's disagreement. And it's not just disagreement that's healthy. It can cause division. And it can harm the church. And I've seen pockets even in this church where that's happening, and I'm concerned about it. This is Satan infiltrating his church. And we, as the body of Christ, must be careful. Because he finds no greater joy than to disrupt things. Satan also uses the method of imitation in that he appears and he has people working for him in his evil empire who appear to be good on the outside... But when push comes to shove and you get to know them, you realize they're not genuine believers. They're the tares among the wheat, as Jesus described. They're false prophets who will make evil sound good and will make good sound evil. And it can happen even within the churches. And we see false teachers creeping in amongst the churches, especially in schools in seminaries, Christian schools, even in churches. As you know, I'm a chaplain in the military and I get to wear a cross on my uniform. Well, a lot of the troops, when they see me, they'll identify me as a Christian pastor or chaplain. 
The problem is, is that my Mormon friends also wear a cross on their uniform. And evangelical Christians will go to a Mormon chaplain thinking they're an evangelical chaplain, and they're not. But instead, they represent a cult. Imitation. The imitation of Satan and his spiritual mafia who just kind of creep in unknowingly, and all of a sudden you realize, well, that doesn't sound right. All of these tactics by Satan, intimidation, persecution, infiltration, and imitation, lead us to three things. They lead us to fear, frustration, and fatigue. As I use those three words, I look at my own life right now, and I'm experiencing all three, if I'm going to be completely blunt with you. Fear takes place when Satan uses these tactics because... We get afraid. We're rattled a little bit and we think, okay, is God really in control here? What's causing you fear right now? Is it the high gas prices? Is it the supply chain that's been impacted? Is it a high inflation rate? Is it Russia and China? Is it losing your job because you're forced to take a vaccine? Is it the virus and you're worried about getting it or spreading it what is causing you fear whenever we get afraid it often leads us to frustration in that it keeps us up at night up up at night and this week I've lost a lot of sleep because I've been very concerned about where our denomination is going and this week we had our presbytery meeting here you'll find out a lot more about this in the months to come but long story short, we're debating whether or not a celibate gay pastor can be in the pulpit. He says, I don't act on my desires, but I desire men. But I'm fighting the flesh every day, and I need to be still a pastor. I, for one, struggle with that. Many also are with me on that, but many are not in our own denomination. So there's schisms in our own denomination. And I'm a little afraid about what's going to happen. And guess what? It's happened. Guess what's happened to me? I've lost sleep this week, and I'm now fatigued. Because when you get afraid, you get frustrated, and then you start voicing your frustration. And you lose sleep, and then you get tired. Is anybody else tired right now? Yeah, we're tired. We've been going through this pandemic a year and a half, and it's not just a pandemic. We're in cultural wars our nation's divided our our churches in america are dividing it's tiring so what do we do as we're dealing with fear frustration and fatigue we go back to god's word that's what we do and we're reminded from this text to put on the armor of god the armor of christ the same armor that jesus wore when he was here and we know that the armor of God is the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. Two weeks ago, we talked about the belt of truth and how it's important to fasten God's word around us to keep us secure and stable and steady. We can be able to discern truth from error when we have the belt of truth fastened. Last week I talked about how we need to 
put on the breastplate of righteousness, only the righteousness of Christ that has been placed on us where our sin was put on him and his righteousness is put on us and so therefore we can go and do right. We can live rightly, do good things. But we gotta keep on that breastplate of righteousness to avoid the daggers of Satan that go right to the heart and stir up our emotions that lead us to frustration and discouragement. Today, we're going to talk about the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace. Now, when you think about shoes, they're very important, aren't they? A Roman soldier would wear these caligae sandals. And the sandals really composed of three different things. It provided safety, stability, and mobility. The Roman soldier would have sandals that, would made, that had soles that were made of several, several layers, averaging two centimeters or three quarters of an inch thick. It provided great safety, safety in the sense that it was thick in that it protected a soldier from injury. If you just wear thin flip-flops all day, I love flip-flops, but if you just wear them all day long, your feet start to hurt, don't they? These sandals were designed with a thick sole to provide safety and protection from injury, but it also enabled a soldier to not worry about what he was going to step on because the soles were so thick. He could continue marching with confidence, knowing he was safe and secure and protected. The, the sandal of the soldier not only provided safety, it provided stability in that underneath the thick sole... There, was, there were steel studs or cleats, you know, football cleats today. I used to play football, and they had these sharp cleats underneath it. You'd be able to turn. You'd be able to shift. You'd be able to make quick movements and make adjustments. The point of it is, is it provided stability where you wouldn't slide because the cleats would dig, into the, would dig into the ground, and you could move forward. So whenever a soldier was getting attacked, his, his feet would dig into the ground, and he would just push back. It provided great stability for the soldier. The third thing it provided, these sandals, were mobility and that it allowed the soldier to quickly make adjustments, to maneuver and continue to move forward and march. He was able to be agile and mobile and swift and able to change directions and at the same time was able to walk in any terrain during any season. Because even in the winter cold months, a soldier would, would stuff his sandals with wool or fur to keep his feet okay and protected. So safety, stability, mobility is what the shoes of peace are used for. So what does this have to do with you and me? Okay, it was great, Seth, that a Roman soldier would wear these sandals, but what does that have to do with me? It has everything to do with you and me. Because God instructs us to wear and walk in his shoes of peace that he's given us. Meaning, first, we are to have safety in the peace of God as we continue living this life. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is only by the grace of God that we go... And it's his peace that enables us to be safe, to be secure, to be protected. 
It's as if he's hovering, hovering over us and around us, wrapping his loving arms around us, making sure that we are protected from the evil one. And although Satan tries to throw out everything and intimidate us and persecute us, the peace of God should rule on our hearts and we should be able to say, enough, Satan. I've got the peace of Christ in me and that is all I need. The peace of Christ provides safety. And what did Jesus tell his disciples when he, before he ascended into heaven in John 14, 27? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus is clear here. I give you peace. Don't let the events of today trouble you. So let's go back to this virus thing I was talking about earlier. For those of us in the room who are scared of the virus, we're scared of getting it, we're scared of it killing us, we're scared of giving it to someone else and killing someone else. For those of us scared, how can we be reminded that the peace of God rules in our hearts? Well, we trust in the sovereignty of God. We trust that God has everything in his hands. And we trust that God even has our lives in his hands and he knows our days. In fact, he numbers our days. So if you're afraid of the virus or afraid of giving it to someone, be smart. Don't be reckless. And at the same time, trust in God's sovereignty. On the other side of the spectrum, if you're afraid of government overreach and you're afraid of losing your job and afraid of what the vaccine can do to you, let me remind you of Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. If you're worried about what's going to come, we may experience more persecution. I, I think we will. But the point of the matter is, if we really believe the words of Jesus, we're going to be people of safety, people of security, people of peace, knowing that even if we get thrown in jail or even if we lose our jobs or even if we stand up for truth and people don't like us, at the end of the day, who are we to be afraid of? Not people, but God himself. That's how we stay at peace because we rest in his sovereignty, rest in his security. So that's what I mean by wearing the shoes of peace in our day today with this issue especially. The second thing I would say is that the shoes of peace provide stability, not just security, in that it prevents us from sliding. It keeps our footing. And I've seen my friends cave in to peer pressure, my pastor friends. I've seen church leaders. I've seen people in the church across America cave in to cultural pressures. And I just want to go back to this text and say, all right, we got to wear the shoes of peace to prevent us from sliding. And as Satan is infiltrating his churches, and he's trying to divide his churches, we need to take the high ground, the high road, and we need to allow peace to defeat Satan. <laughs> and it's only the peace of Christ that can defeat him. 
Many of you know this verse, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What can you and I do every day wearing these shoes of peace? How can we wear them effectively and well? Well, there's a couple suggestions I have. Instead of spending a lot of time watching Fox News or CNN, maybe as you watch 15 minutes of it, it's important to stay in tune with the news. Maybe watch 15 minutes and then spend 15 minutes in the Word. Because if you just watch the news every day, I've realized both stations have a spin on it, spin to it. Both of them do. And they're negative. And it will keep you angry. And it will make you mad at everyone. So please stay tuned, stay in tune to the news for a little bit, but don't let it consume you. Instead, read the word. I would say in spending, instead of spending so much time scrolling through your social media and, and seeing what your family members are saying about the cultural issues of the day or seeing what each other are saying or getting angry at one another on social media, maybe call them and have a conversation with them and try to understand where they're coming from and maybe agree to disagree, but be respectful instead of just getting angry. Instead of spending so much time just reading fancy theologians, it's important to be well-read Make sure as you're reading theologians to spend just, if, just as much, if not more, time reading the Word to keep you grounded and keep you from slipping. Instead of spending so much time listening to talk radio, listen to Christian radio. Spend some time in prayer in the car. These are ways where we can wear the shoes of peace. And it will keep us from being afraid and frustrated and fatigued. We also need to keep the peace with one another. Colossians 3.15 Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. Let his peace rule in your hearts and let's stay united with, as one body. Now, I know firsthand there have been disagreements in this church. I've already talked to our leadership about it. I've talked to our staff about it. Now I'm talking to you about it. What I would like... As your senior pastor, what I would like for all of us to do is to focus on Romans 14, 19 in the months to come. Write down Romans 14, 19, please. Romans 14, 19 says, So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Let me say it again. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. The context of Romans 14 is you have a group of Christians who liked to eat meat. The other side of the spectrum were a group of Christians who were vegetarians. They were disagreeing on this issue. And Paul said, enough. Quit fighting so much. Learn to agree to disagree and pursue peace. Now, you and I both know there's a lot of information out there about the vaccine, about masks, about the virus, about government overreach, you name it. There's a lot of information out there, and it's hard to sort through it. And I'm confused. I'm sure you are too. That's what Satan does. He likes to confuse us. From what we know, 
I think it's safe for us to say, look, there are points of view on both sides of the spectrum. We can respectfully disagree with one another, and at the same time, we can respect one another and be at peace and strive for the mutual edification and upbuilding for this church body. If we don't learn to do Romans 14, 19, my friends, this church will split. It will fall apart. It will divide. And I don't want that. And I know you don't either. So how do we wear the shoes of peace? Well, we focus on Romans 14, 19. Let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And respect one another. The third way we wear the shoes is mobility. You and I both know we've had to make a lot of adjustments the last year and a half. It's been hard, but I'm proud to be your pastor. I'm proud of looking back in the last year and a half and just seeing what we've been through. It's been hard. But you've been there. You've been there with me. You've been there with one another. It hasn't been pleasant, but God is faithful. He's faithful. He's good. And we have made a lot of adjustments. And I think we're going to continue to have to make adjustments in this crazy world we're in. But as we make adjustments, we got to dig deep. And we got to be reminded that God has given us his peace to be able to travel through any terrain in any season. And so let his peace Rule in your heart and keep marching. You know what I love about the Roman soldier is that whenever they would march together, they would do so collectively and they would do so in sync, step by step. And they would go slow, they would be steady, they would be consistent, and they would march in the same way at the same pace at the same time. And they did that for one reason. And that is, as they were approaching the enemy, they wanted the enemy to hear them marching together. In the same way, God has given us the shoes of peace so that we can march together against the enemy. So please, let's continue to march together. Strive for unity and peace and wear the shoes of peace well.